I want to make an offer to each of you listening. I hear from you through emails and social media how important this podcast has become for you all. And it really does make my day to hear how valuable and actionable these episodes are because that is my goal. But here's the thing. More people will hear about the podcast if there are more reviews of the podcast. It's an algorithm thing and that's just how it works. So here's my offer. To those of you who rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on and take a screenshot of it, email it to me, and I will send you a link to my calendar to set up a 20-minute consultation call. No questions are off the table. We can cover anything from your hopes and dreams to setting up your business to an issue you're having on a job site to a client you can't stand and can't figure out to, hell, we'll talk about your favorite recipe if that's what you want to talk about. But I have been having these calls with interior designers, and they have become so incredibly valuable to get them back on track, to answer their questions, to pose more questions for them to be thinking about as far as exploring new options and ideas and goals for their businesses. I want to offer it to all of you. So like I said, rate and review the podcast, take a screenshot of it, and then email it to me at renee at deviniedesign.com. I will hit reply, send you the link to my calendar, and we'll set up a 20-minute consultation call to cover whatever topic you want to discuss. And I can't wait to hear from each of you. Welcome to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, an interior designer with a passion for managing construction projects, large and small. My mission is to empower women, both homeowners and interior designers, to manage renovation projects like a pro. My goal in sharing my knowledge and experience from working in the field for the past 29 years will allow you to avoid the mistakes I have seen and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. I am really excited to share my conversation with my friend Desi Cresswell. This is the second time Desi has come on the podcast. And if you missed episode 35 way back in the summer of 2021, I highly recommend you go and listen to it. The conversation we shared then was all about the pain points interior designers feel in their business the importance of building a community of interior designers and the values that we bring to every project. The entire conversation really revolved around supporting interior designers. And frankly, Desi and I couldn't be more aligned in our goals of supporting interior designers. And for those of you who don't know Desi, and for those of you who don't know Desi, she is a certified life and business coach who helps interior designers stop feeling overwhelmed so they can intentionally build profitable, fulfilling businesses that enrich and support their lives. Yes, Desi was one of us. She was a working interior designer, overwhelmed and stressed out like the rest of us are, and she saw a different path for her, and that led her to coaching interior designers. She is a wealth of knowledge on how to break large issues down into small, manageable sizes that you can take on yourself and see results in the actions that you take. So today, we're talking all things stress and overwhelm, from back to school, to project overloads, to everything in between. It is an important topic to take on so that you can feel more fulfilled in your businesses and ultimately feel more rewarded by the work that you're doing every day. So let's dig in. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Today, I have a special guest for all of you designers listening. Desi Cresswell was a former interior designer who found another way. She knows what it's like to be an interior designer personally, feeling trapped in the constant spin of busy work. 
So Desi started an intimate group program and private coaching where she coaches designers through mindset tools and practical strategies so that they can make the time to build meaningful progress toward their business and life goals. And who doesn't need that help? So please let me welcome my friend Desi. And we're going to today talk about a couple of things. But first, we're going to start with kind of that back to school craziness, schedule-wise. Desi, take it away. Thank you for having me, Renee. I'm so glad to be back. I was just thinking we should have figured out which what the previous episode was so we could reference it. But yeah, it's back to school, which to me kind of feels like a New Year's when it's back to school time. Yeah. Don't you think that's like the parents' New Year's? It's like a full, full-on reset for everybody. Yes. I remember there was a commercial, it was probably for Staples or something, and the mother's pushing the cart and the kids are like slogging behind her with their heads down, looking sad. And the mom is putting the things in the carts, you know, with enthusiasm and excitement because she knows they're going to go away again. They're going to be gone all day. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely feel that way this time of year for sure. Yeah. I'm definitely enjoying some quiet in our home. Oh, I will tell you that. Nice? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's always that paradox though, right? Of as soon as they leave, you miss them and then they come back and you're like, could you please go to school? <laughs> yes, exactly. So, and I think oh. this is great because a lot of the designers listening, we, we have school aged children and it does add that complexity to any working mother's life. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. There's, it's one more person or maybe even four people to manage. It can be a lot. And I think when the kids go back to school, we're really focused on setting them up for success. And while I'm in full support of that and do that for my kids as well, I think we can have a little reset for ourselves and ask ourselves, how am I going to set myself up for success? Right. We're moving into the last quarter of the year which is kind of incredible if you think about it. But I think it can be a time of definitely outward facing sort of priorities, right? The kids are going back to school. We're starting to think about holidays, but there's still a solid quarter left in the year that you can make initiatives in your business. You can correct course if things are not feeling or looking the way you want them to. There's a real opportunity here to just take a pause and decide how you want to finish out the year. And I, and probably people listening, when I was doing the back to school list for my kids, I was doing the back to work lists for myself, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's an endless list. I can't possibly accomplish it all. So obviously there's a wish list and a must do list. And still looking at that list a week and a half in wondering why it's so long. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great opportunity to make some decisions, really. I think that's something that I work with my clients on a lot where we coach on overwhelm and time management and all the things that impact that. And decision-making is such a huge component because being in indecision is such a time and energy drain for you. And I think that that's so common as we have this never ending to do list where we don't ever take that pause to say, what on this list am I actually going to do? And what am I going to let go of? Because then it becomes a list of should do's where we never actually decide, am I doing it or not? And I'm going to like let that story go and go all in on these things. So one of the exercises I do with my clients is just real simple start, stop, and keep. So you could even go through what you're currently doing and say like, what of these things am I going to stop doing? What am I going to keep doing? And what am I going to start doing? And if you have a start doing, let me add the caveat because I know how all the designers work because that was me. Is that if you're going to start doing something, you definitely have to have something that's the stop doing (laughs) just to be clear about how that exercise works. Yeah. And I think you saw um, my list. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know. I've I've been guilty of it too, right? But being honest with yourself, like what is your true capacity? And a lot of that is work that I do with my clients where we're actually figuring out what is their capacity because we don't actually know. And so we just continue to overcommit and we're saying, well, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, and I just need to manage my time better. But 
often it's twofold. There's Yes, there are many strategies I can teach you to have a more effective, efficient day. And at the same time, you also have to solve the capacity issue where you're overcommitting, whether it's overcommitting to things in your business, overcommitting to perhaps like an organization that you volunteer for or overcommitting to your clients, whether that be the number of things you do for them or just the number of clients in general. We want to take a look at all those pieces. And I find, especially in the fall with school-age kids, you forget or you just sort of only half intentionally pay attention to the fact of all the after-school whatevers, right? Whether it's activities or now all the doctor's appointments have to be evening appointments or weekend appointments. And you, you don't, or at least I don't, factor that in when you're setting expectations with clients. Oh, hey, I can make you, um, you know, I can do that presentation in six weeks. Well, would eight weeks make it easier for me, right? And, mm-hmm. and I'm getting better <laughs> each year which is, you know, 15 years in, I may as well make some progress. But, you know, it is a challenge, you know, even if, you know, when my spouse and when my husband, he said the other day, he was going to um, a NFL football game and a baseball game. And I thought, when, you know, how's that going to impact me? Because now, you know, there's dinners, there's pickups, there's homework help or what have you that sometimes he helps with. And now I got to get that on the calendar. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, Designers, at least myself, tend to say yes immediately to everyone and everything, whether it's friends, family, a volunteer job, or definitely clients. And I think we need to say perhaps yes, but, or move into, I'm sorry, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I just can't. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just learned something. You don't have to apologize for saying no. But I do think you bring up a really good point. And When clients are in my program, they get a planner that I've designed specifically for use to learn how to manage your time in a really effective way. And let me just say that doesn't have to be a perfectly color-coded time-blocked calendar because that's often a misconception about time management. That is not what I'm teaching you to do is be a robot, but that's a side note. Yeah. So in this planner, it teaches you to really look ahead because like what you were talking about is a great example of what's happening personally for me, what's happening professionally for me. We want to be looking at a few months out. We can dial it back and look what's happening this month, right? Before we make commitments, because this particular week in time, maybe you do have a free day. But that doesn't mean that you have a free day three weeks from now when all of a sudden you're supposed to be prepped for a meeting and having deliverables ready. So it's important to be always zooming out, whether we're talking about your business vision and your goals, or we're just talking about managing your project timelines. We want to zoom out and then we zoom it in and then make decisions based on both of those things. It's really important to be looking at both And then, of course, that personal and professional component, because what we do as mothers or caregivers in any capacity definitely is something we need to take into account, whether it's an evening drop-off or it's picking up in the middle of the day for a dentist. It all needs to be accounted for. Right. And um, before we started recording, Desi and I were talking about High Point, and I'm possibly in a bit of a bind for not having somewhere to stay in October. But I'm already thinking April and going ahead and looking at that schedule and how that impacts some of the furniture deliveries that I know are coming finally after all of those months. And it's probably the first time and and maybe maybe pandemic has been good for me to force me to look, you know, six, eight, ten months down the road where you know, and I usually looked a couple of months out unless it was around the holidays. But I think it's important to continue doing that, right? Even if the world does, you know, come back into 12-week lead times for furniture to keep looking months and months out. Oh, absolutely. And taking a look at your process for those timelines where maybe you're saying that you're going to actually shift some of your process around where you need to be doing the furniture piece earlier in the process because you need to allow for those timelines or whatever it might be. It's a great time to also ask what would be a time frame that feels good for me in my process. 
Well, you know, designers put themselves last on the list. And then we can coach on whatever comes up, right? Because often we're setting timeline with a knee-jerk reaction over what we think the client wants us to do. But more often than not, they're totally fine if you give yourself a couple extra weeks and you don't drive yourself crazy. But you have to first be aware that you're doing that to even ask the question. Right. Exactly. And designers, we're people pleasers by by nature. We're taskmasters by nature. It's what I think makes us very successful. But it also hinders us because we are constantly trying to stay ahead of our clients' expectations. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned, too, just looking ahead in schedule. And this will be my little PSA about vacation. I call I don't like winter very much. So I refer to winter as vacation season because that makes me feel better about it living here in Minnesota. (laughs) But now is a great time to be looking at the calendar for if you are planning on taking some time off around the holidays. What are those days that you want to take off? What days are your kids off of school that you're going to need to potentially be off or find some other way for them to you know, have something to do, right? So like now's the time to be blocking that out on your calendar so that you're not surprised by these things as they get closer. And the other thing I would just say about that too is making sure that you give yourself some runway on either end of time off, whether that's a school holiday where they've got just a random day off or it's a more extended trip that you're taking with your family over the holiday season or you know, spring break, any of those things. Because I think the tendency is to try and jam everything as much as possible up to the moment you leave. You're laughing at me, Renee. I am what I'm laughing. talking about. <laughs> Guilty. Versus, versus planning for a day where nothing is or nothing major is planned before you leave so that you're tying up the loose ends that happened the day before so that you can exit the business and go enjoy your trip. And then also there's a tendency of like, I've got to dive back in, right? And so jam packing that day, you're back in the office after returning versus let me get in and settle, take care of what's accumulated while I've been gone, and then I'm going to go on. So I love putting those actual, like blocking that off in my calendar as a physical visual reminder, don't schedule any calls at 9am the day after you're back. Right. Because like you're, your buffer. Yeah. You're doing that for your future self because right. when it's your current self, you're going to be mad at yourself for why you did that. So just set yourself up now and you'll be thanking yourself later. And I remember the first time I sent out an email, my family typically takes the first two weeks of July off. And most of my clients, I would just tell them in person. And I thought, you know what? I think I need to make this more formal. And I sent out an email to, you know, the number of clients I was working on. And I was very brief, you know, like you said, you don't have to apologize. You're not going, you're allowed to take vacations. I said that I would be sporadically checking, but no guarantees of anything. And I waited. I was like, I'm going to get pushback. I just know it. I'm going to get pushback. And I saw three emails come in that afternoon and I, I waited. I was like, you know, I'm going to look at those later because they're going to make me anxious. I'm going to feel insecure. I'm going to feel badly that I'm leaving these projects. And each one said, I hope you have a great trip. And I mm-hmm. thought, I have the right clients, first of all. Mm-hmm. And second of all, I thought, okay, yes, it is reasonable for humans to take a vacation from their work. And I gave them plenty of notice. And I think I sent it out maybe three weeks in advance. So it really gave me some runway time to see them button up whatever was needed, Mm -hmm. anything outstanding, kind of keep everybody calm. And I did, like you said, I, on that Monday back, I had nothing scheduled. I went through the emails, I made whatever calls I needed, and then started seeing clients again. And it was really refreshing. And I've done it ever since uh, with any vacation I'm going on. And not a single client has ever complained. I've had some clients say, oh my gosh, then we got to you know, hurry up and do X, Y, and Z. And those are clients I anticipated that from. You know, mm-hmm. the, every designers know their clients. But I was also prepared for that and was able to tamp down those anxieties. And I highly recommend that to any designer who, well, first of all, I think in person, it, it opens up. 
right? It opens up a conversation. I, I'm not asking for a conversation. I am disseminating information about my yes. business, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that mindset change is, is critical and yeah. hard to do for designers. Yeah. And I love that you just went ahead and did it because I think so often we're waiting for things to feel good or feel better before we take action. And some things like this, where you're going to send out an email saying, I will not be checking email or checking it sporadically. It's probably going to feel kind of uncomfortable the first few times you do it. Or terrifying. Or terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. (laughs) But had you not been willing to feel terrified, you wouldn't have had the experience of the safety on the other side to say, okay, this is okay. I'm a human. I've run a business and I can take vacation because otherwise you'd still be doing what you always were doing, which was just constantly checking in, right? So you have to be willing to have that little bit of discomfort to show yourself you're okay on the other side. Yes. And so, by the way, my clients take vacations and I can't reach them. So it, it, you know, I think that's how I kind of convinced myself, but pressing send on that first one was, was definitely a nerve wracking experience. For sure. Of course it was. Of course it was. And I think any first, whether it's sending that email, quoting your largest project fee to date, pitching yourself for a publication, all of those things, they're going to feel kind of uncomfortable. Sure. So I think the sooner we get comfortable with that, the discomfort is not a signal that something has gone wrong. It's just that you're having an emotion doesn't feel great, but it's not necessarily the truth of the circumstance. Right. And perhaps it's a good feeling. It means you're doing something new. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great reframe. With great potential. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah. I'm feeling uncomfortable. That means I'm growing. Right. Right. And so how do you, I guess as designers in general, and I hate to lump us all in, but but in general, a lot of the designers that I'm speaking with now talk to me, in particular about the renovation management side of it, with a lot of insecurities, a lot of lack of confidence in their skill sets. One thing we do talk about a lot is on a traditional renovation project, you may have a plumber, an electrician, and a carpenter. And the plumber has to be an expert in plumbing. Electrician has to be an expert in all electrical work, and the carpenter has to be an expert in carpentry. But somehow, the designer managing the job is supposed to be an expert in all things, which of course is impossible, right? But the designer walks in feeling like they need to have this quote expertise in all of it, and and I've always explained, well, I I know a lot about a lot of different things, but I don't know everything about each one. And I think part of it is confidence that I'm I'm okay saying. I don't know what you're doing to the plumber. Could you explain it to me? And how do you, you know, sort of help designers, even if it's just a new designer doing decorating projects, you know, overcome this initial angst or or fear that their lack of knowledge makes them ill-equipped, basically, for the job? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I always say is you have to be willing to get it wrong in order to get it right. And so if you were to be wrong or if you were to miss something, what does that mean? Like, what are you making that mean about you, about your future career, right? Just letting yourself go to that spot where, okay, so am I going to feel kind of embarrassed? Can I do embarrassment? Will I be okay? I think so. Probably. Like, oh, I I missed something. I'll make it right. I mean, designers are master problem solvers. If something gets missed, you're going to make it right. So I think that's the first piece is just letting there be space for that uncertainty without expecting it to go away. It's that being comfortable with the discomfort. The second piece I'd say is take a look and get specific about what skill sets you actually think you're missing. I was coaching a client on this in regards to leadership with her team. And she was telling me that she just feels like she's she's missing all of these skill sets. And it's the same thing with a renovation project, right? We can have this very ambiguous, I just, I need to know more. I need to know everything. I've got to be an expert. But are there actual skill sets that you would find helpful to train yourself in or get some help with? Like joining your program, Renee? 
there's sometimes, yeah, I do need to learn how to do this thing, but let's get clear about what that thing is as opposed to having it be this overarching umbrella of I don't know or I don't have enough information. That can be a really great place to just get yourself out of the overwhelm of I'm not doing anything right or I don't have I don't have the expertise in general and just bringing it back to, oh, there's a specific thing that I need to learn about or ask someone about and then I'll know. So creating a skill set list and be like, this is what I'm going to be working on. I think that's a great place to start. Yes. And I also, I was speaking with one designer about it and, and she's like, I just feel like I know nothing. And I said, you know, where are you getting that from? She's like, you know, all these other designers in these groups and it's that. And I said, you're seeing their highlight reel. You know, I can assure you they don't know everything about everything. It's just statistically impossible. So I have also, you know, on this podcast and other episodes, I have talked about how I failed. I have talked about how I didn't know something or, or let's be real. I've been doing this almost 30 years. The way things were done then versus the way they're done now, it doesn't mean I don't know them. It means it's changed. So I Mm -hmm. have to learn a new process, right? That plumber is using vastly different skills and techniques than he was 30 years ago. I I started in New York. I was working in apartments. You do things vastly different if you're working on the 30th floor of an apartment building than you do in a home, right? So I think designers, again, so you need to give themselves a break. It's okay to ask. And honestly, I think I have learned the most on job sites when I have just sort of lingered and said, hey, what are you working on to Mm -hmm. whomever, whether it's the electrician or the plumber, people, they like to talk about what they know well. And so I wasn't, you know, I'm not doing it to fluff them. I'm doing it to learn. But in Mm -hmm. the process, they're feeling good about what they're doing by telling me about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's where this whole insecurity and underlying lack of confidence really gets in the way for designers forward motion and progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, I think it's so secular. Is that the right word I'm thinking of? But where it's like, we tell ourselves we have to be an expert. And when we tell ourselves we have to be an expert, we want to hide. And then we don't ask the questions. We don't get curious. We don't ask for support. And then we don't ever allow ourselves to become the expert that we actually want to be or think we should be. And so I think you mentioned curiosity. That's one of my absolute favorite spaces to be in is to just ask. Yeah. Just ask. The worst thing they can say is I don't have time to share it with you. And honestly, I'm not sure I've ever heard someone say that to me. Or if Mm -hmm. they did, it meant, can you tell me, you know, can I talk to you in 10 minutes? It wasn't ever. I'm never going to discuss this with you. It was G. Renee walked in at the wrong moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and I I think you're right. Some of it is the curiosity. They need a designer needs to be curious, not only to improve their knowledge, but to understand how it's a part of a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's part of what makes the industry so interesting is that there are so many different things to learn about and to to grow really within your own profession. And so it's like, stop using that against yourself. Yes. Yes. And right. to be honest, I I have friends who are envious of what I do, not because they look at shelter magazines or because they think I play with fabric all day, but because it's constantly evolving and changing. And therefore, it's constantly feeding my brain and, and helping me learn and grow. And they're like, God, I feel like I'm doing the same thing. I'm like a robot in the morning coming in, clocking out at night. And they're so envious that my world is ever changing. The flip side is, I think that terrifies some designers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what I mean with don't use it against yourself. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, that could be really energizing to think about and could be a source of creativity and passion for you, or it could send you into your snail shell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, and if it does that, maybe that's not the right, you know, part of the industry to work in, right? You know, if you if you go through the work, I mean, at what point do you see people saying, you know, this isn't right for me and I'm going to stick to the traditional um, furnishings, accessories and things like that? You know, how do you kind of sleuth that out? I think we all have a different capacity for uncertainty, 
And I also think that that's a capacity that can expand. So I think what we were talking about earlier with you sending that email to your clients, right? Like that was a little micro moment where you expanded your capacity. Mm -hmm. And so if you're willing to take those steps, even if they're just tiny little baby steps, if you know that there's something bigger that you want to be doing and feeling more confident and comfortable and secure, if you're willing to just keep going at it, you're going to continue to expand. And that sounds a little bit like a CEO mindset, right? As far as you know, what you're willing to do, what you're able to do, and what you want to stretch yourself to doing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I talk about CEO mindset, I like to break down the roles that you play in your business really into two different categories. You've got the worker bee who is, you know, doing the drawings, is schlepping the things all around town, right? And then you've got the CEO who's in charge of the vision and the future of the company and leading a team, whether that is a, you know, person you hire a few hours a week or it's a team of five, or it's even you're just leading yourself right now. So I like to break it out into those two roles. And often we're in, you know, we're providing both of those supports to our business at different times. And we want to balance out and not necessarily balance as in 50 50, but we want to make sure that we're giving attention to both. We want to make sure we're delivering at a high level to our clients, but we also want to make sure that we're ensuring that our business is headed in the direction that we want it to go in versus running on default or decisions are being made because of what's kind of happening to you as opposed to you being in charge of what's happening to the business. So that's kind of how I define those two roles. And I'm going to go out on a limb and everyone listening here is very capable in the worker bee role and not so much in the CEO role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that going back to that conversation around capacity, we have to increase our capacity for that uncertainty, discomfort as we step into that CEO role. And I, and I want to just call that out where it's not that you go from being solopreneur to having a team of five people and a brick and mortar shop overnight, right? And I think often that's sort of the, the gap, right? We have an image of what a CEO is or what a CEO's business looks like. And we feel really far from that. And so it feels like I don't even know how to get going in that direction. But you can be the CEO today, no matter where you are in your business. And you're going to continue to take those steps to expand your business, whatever that looks like. And so I think knowing that there's not going to be a huge contrast for you. It's not like overnight you're going to be someone else. You're already leaning into that version of yourself and becoming more and more of that designer and that CEO. Yeah. And what you said earlier about micro steps, micro changes, I think people discount them. And I think actually those should be in the win columns. I mean, Absolutely. even if I send three emails out in 15 minutes as opposed to me, you know, scanning social media or doing something else, that's a micro win that I'm learning to applaud and, and feel good and confident about that, that probably would have either been overlooked or I wouldn't have done it in the past. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. I do think, I think you're right. Designers think they're going to go from today working out of their house to that brick and mortar and the team of five, whether they want that or not, that's their, their vision. Well, it must be this way or I'm failing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think going back to your example of the emails, so much of being the CEO is about how you view yourself. What's that internal narrative? And so when you give yourself opportunities, such as I'm going to use this 15 minutes really effectively to get those emails out and done, you start to see yourself as the person who plans their time, who uses their time effectively, who can be direct in their communication and ask for what they need or give directives to their clients in the way that needs to be done, right? So it's these small little things that are about who you're being in your business, not just what you're doing. And I think we often forget to look at how we identify as 
a leader of a company, no matter the size of your company. Agreed. And I, I think you're right. People, designers don't necessarily take themselves as seriously as they should if they don't have a team behind them. And I, I personally have worked for big companies. I have had a brick and mortar with employees and I work on my own with virtual employees now. And I feel that they're all as legit as the other, right? Like mm-hmm. no one spot in my career is less legit, but that's how I project that no matter what I do or what what the sort of the backdrop looks like, it's still a profession, it's still an industry, it's still work. And I, I think you're right. I think that the designers tend to to kind of psych themselves out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're doing a whole bonus retreat in my group program out of overwhelm in just a couple of weeks, actually. And it's all about becoming the designer CEO. And so much of it is looking at where am I putting on limits to what I think I can have or do? What is the story I'm telling about myself, whether that's I'm bad at managing my time or bad with money? We want to be looking at all of those narratives so that we've got a picture of, okay, so this is what I'm telling myself about who I'm being right now, but questioning it and deciding on purpose who it is you want to be. I think that's critical. And I think mm-hmm. for some reason, we, we tend to shy away from putting ourselves out there as an expert. And you don't need decades in the business to be an expert. You can be focused on one area of the business and be an expert, right? And that's that's okay. And it's okay to say that. But I, I know I'm, and I'm, you're talking to me on the other side of that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 years ago, I would be struggling with that kind of information, you know, sharing and creating this, this level of, I'm an expert. And I know how challenging that can, that was for me. And so therefore I I understand how challenging it can be for other designers listening. But I think as soon as the sooner they can overcome that for themselves, the more their businesses will thrive as well, because it's, it's how you're projecting yourself and your career, as opposed to just saying, I'm an interior designer, or Mm -hmm. I'm an interior decorator, and, and not really putting any additional adjectives to that. Hmm. Yeah. And I just want to circle back with just something that your listeners could potentially do here as an exercise, because I'm sure some of them are hearing you go, well, yeah, Renee, you've got 15 years under your belt. So of course, it's easy for you to say you're an expert and right, you're on the yep. other side of it. But for anyone who's listening, who is struggling with some of those limiting beliefs, asking yourself, what do I know is a great place to start whether it's like about the job site or about running a business, what do I already know? And also you can ask yourself, in what ways do I already have expertise? Start to send your brain searching for these answers so you see where you already believe these truths for yourself. And that's going to help you see more of them and build your confidence to go out and create more evidence for yourself. 100% agree. And those who have done this or starting design as a second career, well, what did you do in your first career? Did you manage a team of 15? Well, then one client at a time would actually be pretty simple. But you're right. They're like, but Renee, I don't know whatever, fill in the blank. It's like, yeah, but you know so much about most of that, right? Mm -hmm. And they discount all of that information because it was, say, in banking or some other field that isn't technically designed. And to be fair, I started in this business long before cell phones. I'm going to age myself. Digital mm-hmm. cameras, certainly no internet, and definitely no podcasts. I would have killed to have had the access to other designers outside of my immediate bubble to learn and grow and get comfortable with, right? And and you can kind of, I don't want to say you're going to steal some of your confidence, but your confidence grows when you realize you're not the only one in the pond feeling that way. And that's what I get a lot from, from people who will contact me directly. They'll be listening to the podcast. They'll send me an email and I respond. They're like, oh my gosh, you responded. I'm like, yes, there are humans out here. We're, we're mm-hmm. here. Desi and I are trying to help designers be better designers, be better people, be better CEOs. And it 
I can promise you it would have been amazing to have had access to this kind of information and forums and groups and things like that, courses I could have taken online had that even existed. But of course, I just dated myself that none of that existed back in the day. I had to listen to the women I worked for, right? And that Mm -hmm. was not always very friendly. So yeah, I think this is invaluable. And and the more people learn and listen and hear other people's stories, I think they they see themselves in some of that. Mm -hmm. I think there's something so validating. And that was actually something that I hadn't even really considered when I started my group, but has been such a huge benefit of being in community is to go, oh, that person struggles with that too. It's not that I'm wrong. There's something wrong with me. This is just a common obstacle that comes up at this stage in business. And together we're going to work through it and solve for it. And so when we can realize we aren't wrong or innately flawed, that's so powerful. And again, it goes back to that, like being able to then move forward and actually get the information that you need. Yes. And and designers, historically, that we work in small groups. So, you know, I'd say probably the biggest design firm I worked in in New York had seven people, maybe mm-hmm. eight. You know, that's teeny. You know, my husband works for a large bank. I mean, he, he can't count how many people he works with. So it's hard to gauge where you are in your personal business if it's just you or mm-hmm. you and an assistant. And that assistant may have no design skills. So you have no one to really have that reflective moment with. And so groups like yours, Facebook groups, things like that, it's just so crazy invaluable because you can get that, oh my gosh, okay, I did that too. Now I don't feel Mm -hmm. so stupid, right? Or it's a safe space inside of your groups to say, hey, I don't know this. And you're comfortable saying, I don't know this, knowing that no one's going to say, well, you should, or Mm -hmm. well, forget that. You know, I'm not going to share it with uh, you've got to have. And it reminds me, I work for women like that. Put in your time, Renee. You'll learn these things along the way. I'm thinking, but why can't you just share that now? Mm-hmm. What, what, what's this, you know, like it was almost like joining a sorority, right? You had this like process you had to go through. Like it was sort of this uh, pledge time where you know you weren't given the secret codes yet. You're going, come on, someone gave them to you. Why can't you give them to me now? Yeah. And I think there's something so powerful about being willing to say, I don't know, or even celebrating a win that you had in a community that is, you know, smaller. Everyone's chosen to be there, chosen to be supportive of each other. When you have the opportunity to practice that in a really safe space, the impact then is you create that safety and can go out and do that on the job site or with your clients, or even just in your own family of saying, Hey, this is a real business I'm running. This isn't some side thing, this like little business that I have. Let me tell you about some of the great things that I'm doing. And I've seen clients even practicing their wins, celebrating those things and having that allow them to then show up and go pitch themselves for PR. And so being able to incrementally, again, practice and build that capacity is just is is so impactful. And it's funny you say that about celebrating within the groups. And because again, I I work alone, except for virtual assistants. And so when I do have a big win, you know, it's at the dinner table, I'm telling my husband and my kids, and I just can't say it fast enough how excited I was. And they're like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds great. I'm like, wait, you don't get it like mm-hmm. because they don't, right? It's yeah. such a weird business. And then I'll call up my design friends. They're like huge celebrations. Like, oh my God, that's a great win. And tell me more about it. And so it, it's important, you know, because what we do is so odd, it, mm-hmm. even the HGTV shows, I think that's helped a little, but still what we do is pretty, it's very invasive. I know which side of the bed my client sleeps on and how they shower in the morning and when they shower. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of, that's a crazy sense of, of, uh, knowledge that most people don't have in their business. And so I think it's great for designers who, who get it in, you know, they start at a level of, I get where you're coming from. So just talk about the win. I feel Mm -hmm. like my wins that I share with people outside of the business has this whole backstory on how Mm -hmm. to get to the win. And and the five minute conversation turns into a, you know, 35 minute discussion. And by then they're lost. They're so confused. (laughs) They're they're completely like, 
I don't get it, you know, but that sounds great, Renee. I'm thrilled you got the win. And you're like, well, that was not what I was hoping for, you know? <laughs> yes, Cause, cause absolutely. When you, when you get a win in our business, especially recently, and, and we can talk about that and, you know, with the, with the uh, pandemic and everything, wins are big these days and wins absolutely need to be celebrated because there's a whole lot of not winning. And I don't want to say you're losing, but not winning in between that. Yeah, just, I mean, there's challenges every single day. And so the more we celebrate those wins, the more we're going to enjoy what we do, as opposed to feeling like we're just enduring the day. <laughs> I've thought of, that reminds me of a few days I felt like I endured last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. You endure them. Mm -hmm. So with this pandemic, with this craziness that designers have been managing, quite well, I think. But the fatigue has set in. And Desi and I were talking previously that the industry is, is talking about this being still into next year, which is a big gulp and something that I don't really enjoy or look forward to. But but I think there is some sort of a slowdown, hopefully happening during that period as well, to give designers a break, to give manufacturers a break, to play catch up, to possibly going back to pre-pandemic uh, lead times and expectations. But I see designers kind of taking that as a moment to freak out. And actually, Desi said something great, that they are going into overdrive or freezing. Personally, I see, you know, on my end in the past where I would freeze. I don't go into overdrive. It sort of paralyzes me. But when Desi said that she sees that designers are also going into overdrive, you know, can you talk about, you know, how we react to situations that are completely out of our control, by the way, which, you know, is a whole nother sense of insecurity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The overdrive or the overaction is trying to control something we can't actually control. And I really saw this at the start of COVID too, and worked with clients who saw COVID as going to be the end all of their business, mm -hmm. right? Which definitely was a legitimate concern of like, is, is my business just going to shut down? And so they started taking on anything and everything. But then of course, we know what happened with COVID and the design industry, and that was not the case at all. And so I'm seeing a little bit of that tick up right now with buzz amongst designers where it's like, is there a recession coming? And starting to be a little bit fearful of that. And so going into overdrive with starting to take on different projects, maybe starting to offer different services they don't actually want to offer or taking on more clients than they actually have capacity for. So it's like this hoarding effect a little bit, Yeah, right? I'm going to hoard the clients while I can and hope for the best. So I don't think that that's particularly useful because no. just because you like hoard a couple <laughs> extra people right now is not going to guarantee long-term success. We're just kind of creating this false sense of security for ourselves. I say that with a little bit of laughter, you know, I totally get it. And I think that's a natural human response. And I don't say that to poke fun or anything like that. But I think it's just, we want to be conscious of what we're doing. And so if you are feeling like, yeah, that might be something that I want to address, it's a great time to think about, am I doing the things in my business that generate my best leads? So taking a look at where do your best projects come from? Where do your um, best referral partner relationships get established? How can you create some more of those? And getting back into some of that marketing time that has probably gone by the wayside with projects and all of that being so busy, and then making some conscious decisions about what you're going to do. It goes back to what we were talking earlier with the to-do list. So you're probably not going to all of a sudden start doing reels, start a YouTube channel, develop a newsletter list, and you're going to be like join five organizations, right? You might Although be tempted. that might be someone's list <laughs> listening. <laughs> Those are all possibilities of things yes. you could do. But, but that's panic. But that's panic driving that action yeah. versus calm certainty as the CEO of, I can look at historically, my best clients come from these avenues. And so I'm going to put some time and energy and intentional focus into those avenues. So maybe it's that you start reaching out to 
real estate agents or whoever your you know ideal referral partner is, and you have an aim of setting up two meet and greets per month. Or, you know, I have one client where every Friday she's got a running list of all the people that she gets referrals from. And she just picks a couple of them every single Friday and she reaches out, touches base. She loves to connect. And so she has a chat about their family and then they touch base about what projects are going on. And that works really well for her. So it's what are you want to do that is going to fit in with your current schedule, but that is still going to be moving you towards the result that you want. And we also want to keep in mind results-based planning is what I call it, is what's the end result that you want to create? Because you're not doing just to do. You're not going to just throw a bunch of Instagram posts up because you think you're supposed to throw a bunch of Instagram posts up. You are doing these certain activities to create the result of an ideal client that has paid is under contract and is using your services. So we want to make sure that the action we're taking is effectively used and the time being spent so that it's leading to what the actual result is versus that like fury of activity that is just activity for activity's sake. And then I think another aspect that you had brought up was the CEO mindset. I have seen in the last, you know, six, eight months, people hiring quickly, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I need extra hands. I've got, I'm overwhelmed. I've got so much work. Work isn't ending. I got new projects starting and that, that worries me, right? Because regardless of if it's, you know, the R word recession, I do think that there will be a a re, I look at it like a pendulum, right? And I think we've, we've overswung and then there will be some form of correction. And I, don't know if that will be in a, a formal recession way or, or whether it just we go back to the way things mostly had been. And it worries me. And can you speak to that, like, you know, with your actual business and, and how you view not just clients, but the internal components to a business? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in some ways the boom of the industry has brought to the surface a lot of issues that were already there such as like lack of organization or lack of systems. It's not that the industry is busier and now you have this problem. I mean, there's there's certain pieces that maybe are different specific to the pandemic, but like these issues existed already. And so they've just been intensified or are more visible now. So I think in that way, it has been really helpful to get things in order and take a look at how you're running your business. And those pieces will stay whether or not you're over capacity or under capacity or at perfect capacity for you. Right. So I think that's really helpful. I think also when we think about results in our business, it's an opportunity to think about what are the results that whoever I've hired are helping me create. Either they create a result for me that I then use to contribute to the ultimate result I have in my business, such as like a yearly income goal, or they help me produce a result for my client, for my marketing, for my business in general, right? And so if things were to slow down, are the people that you have supporting you producing results for you? Because again, we're not going to just hire people just to do things. We hire people to create results or help us create results. So now is a great time to be looking at what are those results those people are creating for me or helping me create in my business and realigning that. And if they're not creating the results, take a look at that. What do you want to do about it? Is there something that we can do to rectify that? Is it that you don't have the right person in the right seat? So it's it's a chance to really take inventory of that support that you maybe brought in in a rush and recalibrate. I think that's great. And I, I agree. I think this might be the perfect time, you know, kind of that kids are back to school. You know, it's funny, a lot of people do New Year's resolutions. And, and I'm like you, it, it, to me, it's more back to school and summer. Mm-hmm. Like those are my kind of time marks. For some reason, January 1 seems arbitrary. You know, yep. <laughs> you know like, oh yeah, we're all going to start going to the gym that day. But mm-hmm. I think this is a perfect opportunity because you're famously, my dad said to me one year, I was working in Manhattan. I was pulling insane hours. I was low man on the totem pole, a very big firm. And I came home to Delaware for a weekend to literally just sleep. And he said to me, he goes, I don't understand how you can be creative when you're so tired. And I mean, this was maybe, gosh, 
25 years ago that he said that. It has stuck with me because, mm-hmm. at least for me, I can't. That is really just the bottom line. It sort of shuts that part of my brain down because it's got to function, right? Mm-hmm. And so summer for me is the time where I actually feel the most creative because the schedules are more flexible. You're not getting, you know, not necessarily setting alarms as early and you sort of get that kind of easy breezy feeling. And I think that's why fall and back to school is that opportunity. Like, okay, I have some great ideas. Okay. I want to look at my business for your fourth quarter and how can I attack it? And so regardless of what's going to come, I think designers need to be doing that more frequently and not wait for the news programs to scare everybody thinking that, you know, the the end of the world is coming and you're all in Mm -hmm. trouble and, you know, batten down the hatches because that is, you know, some of the groups that I'm in online, that is the fever going around. And and they're like, I'm taking on this one woman's like, I'm going to take on a side job. I'm like, slow your roll. Okay. I, I don't think we're there yet, but I think you need to be listening to what Desi's saying, right? There's it's an opportunity to reevaluate, restructure if needed. And and can you talk about that in a long term, not just with whatever may be happening or possibly happening? Yeah, I think it's a great time to revisit what that vision is for your company and take a look at what do I want this to look like three or five years from now and give yourself the opportunity to dream a little bit and get out of that reactive state that I see so many designers in right now and look at like, where do I ultimately want to go? So that way, the things I'm doing today, whether that's the marketing, the hiring, the types of projects I take on, are really supporting where I want to go long-term. And not to say that you're going to know the exact how of how you're going to get there or that the vision might change a little bit, but I think it's always important to have that destination in mind. Not that it's, again, that you're going to arrive there and all things will be sunshine and rainbows, but... (laughs) I think to your point though, most designers don't have that three, five, 10-year plan. No, And I don't mean to throw everybody under the bus. We just don't. Again, I think it's somewhat based on the fact that we're working either alone or with a very small crew Mm -hmm. and we are in busy mode every day, all day. We don't take the time to say, gee, in three years, how do I want this to look? And so you say that you want them to reevaluate. I I think they need to establish it, right? Mm -hmm. And and for their own, for their own benefit, for their own sense of security, because I, I know I didn't for a very long time. It was just too busy. I was raising kids. I was starting a business. I was doing this. I was doing that. Three years. Like, oh, God, let's just hope I make it three years. It was you know, always how I thought about it until I started planning. And it is amazing. Like you said, it's the curviest road you'll ever travel to get from A to B. But you do get to B. It just doesn't look like, or at least mine, did not look like how I thought it would or plotted it out to be. Yeah. And I want to clarify when I teach about vision, it's business and life vision because we want the two working together and supporting each other. So I think often we think of business vision as, well, these are just the things happening in my business, but what's also happening in life because the decisions that you're going to make for your business need to support the life that you want to live. So whether that is like, I have a client who I worked with, she wanted to be able to take summers totally off to be home with her kids. Well, you're going to make certain decisions about how you structure your services when projects start in order to make that happen. So, and it might be that you want to take summer Fridays or something like that, or maybe it's you want to take two weeks off around the holidays, or maybe it's just you want Wednesday mornings free every week to go volunteer at your kid's school or at an organization you care about. It could be anything or just to go work out for yourself, right? taking into account what does my life look like on a daily basis and how do I structure things so that way the structure of my business supports that and also the financial goals of my business support it as well. Right. And I love that you included life goals because again, I think designers put ourselves dead last if they're even on the list. And it's all client-based, client-based, family-based, family-based. And then so, yeah, somewhere in the, you know, the scraps will be my life. And I know I've definitely been guilty of that as well and and dip in and out of that guilt periodically. (laughs) But I do think maybe it's why we are so good at what we do. We put people first and ourselves last. And I think that obviously is not a winning or even sustainable model. 
Yeah. I think it's interesting to think about like how we could be even better at what we do if we started putting ourselves first. Like what if you got where you are, even though you've been treating yourself like the last person on the list? What if you were able to create what you've created despite your lack of regard for your own personal life? And now what you could create on top of that, if you started giving yourself time, space, energy, attention to really allow yourself to flourish. I will give a personal note on that. Uh, This is pre-pandemic because the world is a little different now. But pre-pandemic, I started going to the showrooms without a client need. Mm -hmm. And that was the first ever. It felt almost, uh, it was felt too luxurious at first, but it was incredible to see how creative I could be without the parameters of a client and just seeing fabrics, getting inspired, not having that panic. I got to be, you know, I got to pick three things here and six pieces there and I've got to get all this done in the day. And I know for a fact, I can only juggle three clients at a time when I go to a showroom for like fabrics and soft goods and things like that. That's just, I know myself and I can barely Mm -hmm. do three, but going with no client was crazy at first. And, And it actually was an accident. I went up and had an extra day because I go up to the one in New York and I had an extra day and I thought, you know, I'm going to run over the D and D. It was one of the most creative, relaxing, inspired days I've had in, I don't know how long. And I've started pre-pandemic, started doing that more often. And I don't think designers give themselves that space, right. To do things like that, to just be creative, go get inspired. You know, even if you're just reading shelter magazines on a Saturday morning, that can be inspiring. Just see what's out there. You know, we, we, again, are just so in our moment of busy, 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 busy to get the things that have to get checked off the list that day that you don't even, I know I don't open half the emails that come my way, but when I do take the time, I'm like, oh, that's a really cool product. I hadn't seen that they had, you know, introduced this new line. And to your point, I think allowing yourself to give yourself that time, however it is you find creativity, if it's, you know, a walk in nature or going to a showroom or seeking out a new resource just because really is critical to, I think, the success of and the internal success for projects. Mm-hmm. And the long-term success of your business. Absolutely. So that you don't end up wanting to quit. Burned out. Mm-hmm. Angry. <laughs> Resentful. Resentful. We can we can name all of them. <laughs> Not that I felt any of that. <laughs> or all of it all at once. But yes, yes. Yes. All right. So Desi, how would you first I want you to talk about, about your program, but also to give even just a, a micro assignment to people listening as to what they can be doing, even if they're just driving between, you know, their office and the, the next client meeting. Oh, goodness. There's so many ways we could go with this. I would just say, I would ask yourself a positively framed question. Just one today. What's going well today? What am I doing right? And letting it soak in. I think that could be very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my question for you, your powerful question, is how can I create that easy breezy feeling of summer today? That's more challenging. (laughs) (laughs) I knew Desi was going to do this to me. Um, Yes, you're right in that there is time in everyone's day, including mine. When I look at my calendar, say I have no time for whatever, fill in the blank. There is. Mm -hmm. I just have to prioritize it and then make it happen. And when I do, it does feel easy, breezy, relaxing, and makes me much more successful when I sit back down to do the work that I need to get done, whether that is work for my personal life, my professional life, my marketing, my podcast, whatever it may be. If I carve out that time to make something easy breezy, it is a much more successful day. It just comes out in every way. Well, and I'm even thinking about you driving over to your site visit. I know you have to go to soon. 
Like what if, I don't know what the weather is like for you today, but like, what if the window is just a little cracked open and you get some fresh air or you put on some favorite music or like, there's so many ways that you could make it potentially easy breezy that aren't going to take any additional time than the time you're already spending traveling to that job site. Yes. For me, it's music because I don't usually have enough time in the car for a podcast, but if I have time in the car, it's a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I have a yeah. whole library of ones, depending on what I kind of need to to hear at that moment, whether it's just comedy or whether it's, you know, mindfulness or whether it's, you know, business related. I definitely have those in my library to play if I'm going, you know, about a half an hour, but typically I'm not in the car long enough for that. So it's usually music. Mm-hmm. Just play around with it. Yes. So tell us about how people can find you and, and about your, your offerings. Yeah, I would love to. So you can find me at desicresswell.com. That's my main website. And you can find out about Out of Overwhelm. That's my six-month group program that's really designed to take you from overwhelmed and stressed to profitable and fulfilled and actually enjoy your business again too and in your life. So I love, love, love working with clients in that capacity. We talk about time management. We talk about all the things that impact time management, such as setting boundaries, saying no, people-pleasing, learning how to step into that CEO role, learning how to develop that skill of focus because it really is focus, follow-through, all these things. So you can learn about all the modules under the group coaching page. And then for all your listeners who are ready to start taking action today, they can head to desicresswell.com forward slash planner and download the Interior Designers Get It Done Daily Planner. It's a totally free resource that I've put together. And it's going to give you my five best tips for creating more time in your day and creating more ease. It's got some mindset prompts in there to help you structure your day and prioritize all those things on that never-ending to-do list. And it'll also get you on my email list, which for sure your listeners are going to want to be on because I'm planning a goal-setting workshop this coming December. That's going to be amazing. I hosted it last year and people just loved it. So we're going to do that again. And then Out of Overwhelm is going to be opening for enrollment in December and we'll kick off at the start of the new year. So you'll be the first to know about all of that as well. And we will have all these links in the show notes. And I can personally attest to Desi's content, which is something that I always carve out the time to read the emails and find them so insightful and meaningful in the way that you think, oh, yeah, I was just thinking about that. But it reframes it. It changes the, you know, the point of view and perspective and, and really builds on that problem we have, all of us have with overwhelm. I can't recommend these resources more highly because I know how impactful they've been in my own life and business. Oh, thank you, Renee. That's so kind. I can't thank you enough for coming today. This was amazing. I think everybody listening has been jotting down notes on um, things that they need to work on and things that they can do to improve their own lives as well as their own businesses. And and I look forward, we will definitely have you back on again and touch base and, and keep moving forward with all the designers listening. Oh, wonderful. Thanks for having me on, Renee. Thanks, Desi. Thank you for listening today. And feel free to join me on social media at Davinia Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word, leave a review, and tell your friends who are starting or are mid-project. And thank you again for listening today.